This episode is brought to you by Hostfully. Using Hostfully, you can create a free digital guidebook for your listing so that you can save time creating a professional experience for every guest that comes and visits your spot. Learn more at hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get paid for your pad. Get Paid for Your Pet, episode number 268. Today I'm discussing the news in the world of Airbnb and short-term rentals of, from the last couple months with, of course, Marco, the CEO of Hostly. Marco, how are you doing? Great. How are you, Jasper? I'm very well. I'm back home in Barcelona after a two-month journey that took me back to the Netherlands first for Christmas and then to Paris and the Philippines, Taiwan and Indonesia, and then back to France, Portugal, and now I'm back in Barcelona finally. I'm gonna stay here for the next three months or so at least. Well, that, that's enough miles for like a business class ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Good well, the thing is I, I, uh, I, I tend to fly, I don't really get a lot of miles anymore. I, I don't know about, about oh. you, but, uh, I used to get a lot of miles, but now every time I book a ticket, I usually just book the cheapest ticket. And oh, okay. uh, a lot of times those tickets, you just don't get miles anymore. And, oh. and the other thing is I, uh, I travel with uh, Air Norwegian a lot now. And they, I mean, they do have a rewards program, but it's, it's you know, you, you get like, you book like an $800 ticket and then, you know, you get like $2 of credit or something. It's Yeah, uh, it's you know, nothing. It, it really know. doesn't add up and you can't use it for upgrades or anything. But the, what I like about Air Norwegian is that they have a, a business class that's, well, it's called, uh, it's called Premier or, or I can't remember what they, what they call it exactly. But it's, uh, it's not quite as good as business class, but it really changes the flying experience from uh, kind of not a very good experience to a very comfortable experience. Is it, is it more... More space, or because yeah. I know you're kind of a tall person. I'm not so tall, so like the, the size of the seat doesn't matter as much to me. But I know for tall people, it really matters. Yeah, um, no, it's it's not like I mean, some airlines they have like this thing called Economy Plus. I mm-hmm. mean, and this this is really a lot better than Economy Plus. This is you know, I would say it's it's almost business class. You know, oh, it's like great. you have you have like uh, the you can recline your seat way further. Then mm-hmm. economy class, and you get the, the business class treatment, um, and uh, you definitely have a. I mean, you have a lot more space, so you know it's it's not quite the the business class experience, but it's pretty close to it, but at a much more affordable price. Uh, the I mean, Norwegian air, air tickets are typically quite quite cheap, and then mm-hmm. the, their premier tickets are typically twice the price. And so, for example, like a single. Intercontinental, like a single ticket, would be like seven, maybe eight hundred dollars, mm-hmm. whereas a normal business class ticket would probably be somewhere between fifteen hundred and, and twenty five hundred. I would say so. Right, which is not so crazy if you're going to fly a long haul flight, like a ten plus hour flight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the way I always like to calculate it per hour. So if I'm paying four four hundred dollars extra and it's a twelve hour flight, then it's like you know about thirty five bucks an hour. So then mm-hmm. I think, okay, is it worth $35 an hour? And in, in Norwegian's case, that's, for me, that is the case. Yeah, definitely. So, 
Cool. But yeah, anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, Barcelona, it's it's great now. It's it's like the summer has already started. It's like uh, it's like twenty degrees Celsius almost, and it's sun every day. So it's it's almost like uh, it's pretty much like summer, and that would be summer in Holland, to be honest. Yeah, I love Barcelona. It's such a great place to be, and um, yeah, it's just I'm sure it's actually nice year round, but especially in the spring, I bet it's really nice. Everybody stays out later, the sun's out later. You know what I mean? It just feels a little bit more alive. Um, Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully, all of our the other people in the snowy regions are starting to see hints of spring too, because I know this is just such a hard hard season for colds and feel like like you can get outside but um it's coming it's coming soon absolutely and and i know you've been up to some interesting stuff right you went to a conference yes i went to new orleans last week um to go to the very first women in vacation rentals summit which was sponsored by vrm intel um, and amy hinnote and it was a great conference it was huge it was um i think Probably 350 people were there, maybe even more. Um, it was over two days at the Ritz-Carlton in New Orleans, which is, by the way, the location of uh, the Vacation Rental Managers Association Conference in October, which I highly recommend if you are a professional vacation rental manager. Um, but anyway, it, it was just, it was so great. It was mostly women, about 95% women. Although, as I was joking with you, you should have come because there were a few guys that were there. Um, and uh, standout things were the content, the camaraderie. People were just very open to talking and sharing about their businesses. Um, as a as a vendor, you know, we're kind of called a vendor because we are a software provider in the space. I don't, I don't get the luxury of going to sessions and really talking to people because there's usually an exhibit hall and we have to you know, be at the, our booth during the exhibit hall, but there was no exhibit hall at this conference. It was all about community building. Um, and so it just was a great opportunity to talk to owners and property managers, vacation rental managers from all around the world about what their challenges were and, um, and not feel so time constrained about it. Um, there were, there were a lot of, uh, meals where the food was really great. I don't know if you've, traveled around the US, but this was really, really, really good food compared to a lot of locations in the United States. And they were long forms, like sit down meals. And so you'd be able to sit down at a table, get your food, introduce yourself, and then be able to get into some more interesting topics as opposed to it being kind of a speed dating experience, which a lot of these networking um, events feel like sometimes and for me I get really worn out um, <laughs> and also just kind of tired after a while uh, doing those kind of speed dating experiences and I really enjoy getting a little deeper with uh, property managers so what one thing that I ended up spoke, speaking with um, is kind of dovetails into our first topic I think is around legislation I ended up speaking with Diana from R&R Vacation Rentals in Tahoe and she told me a lot about their plight with the city of Tahoe which is intending to ban over about 1400 vacation rentals by 2021 or 2020 and she just talked about how they missed an opportunity to influence the um, legislation because it ended up going to a ballot and local voters who are not property owners and not even sometimes the vacation rental managers um, ended up to voting to ban do this big vacation rental ban without understanding the full economic impact on the region 
So we started talking about that, and I heard a lot of other people talking about legislation from all around the country. So that was definitely a hot topic, along with you know keeping up with on software technology and, and the latest trends. So it was just it was a great experience. But I, I thought I'd mention that because I think we're going to talk a little bit about some of those um, legislative challenges in other regions. Yeah, and Lake Tahoe is a is a pretty popular uh, location for for tourists, right? Isn't it? Um, I'm sorry, Lake Tahoe. Yes, it is. It's extremely popular. We, Diana and I did a back of the envelope calculation that showed that it will take about hundred million dollars of vacation rental bookings off the market. It's a huge impact because the occupancy rates in that region are very high. The nightly rates are high. Travelers are spending a lot of money on uh, skiing and snowboarding and other outdoor activities. It's, it's like a, I don't know if you've been to like Banff or, even some of the locations in like the Swiss Alps, French Alps, um, different locations in Colorado, like Aspen, it's kind of a location like that where maybe not as big as Aspen, but it has um, outdoor activities, mountains, and it's a, it's a highly sought after tourist destination for, for the Bay Area. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big deal, actually. I don't think people in San Francisco or people in Tahoe really fully appreciate what this legislation could do. They're just, they're going to challenge it in court, but um, it, it could have a huge impact on how people can travel. Yeah, so that kind of surprises me that the a location that's very dependent on, on visitors and tourism would uh, adopt very restrictive uh, regulations around, around Airbnb and short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the motivation is uh, there's, two, there's two things going on. One is people who live there give the travelers a bad reputation because of like partying. And that is true, right? You do get people who are gonna come and like be disrespectful towards neighbors, be loud, be drinking, hopefully not driving and drinking, but I'm sure that happens. Um, and I think that there, those kind of flare ups really are top of mind for people and they get concerned and frustrated with it being their neighbors that are doing that. And then the second thing I think is that they don't realize how much commerce travelers bring to the region. I just don't think they realize it. I don't think they realize that the traffic that they get in their coffee shop and their bakery and, you know, if they're a a service provider, like a cleaner or a maintenance person, they do gardening. Like, I don't think they realize that the income from travelers is actually what drives their businesses. Um, They might be like one or two degrees removed from that, but it, uh, it's, it's kind of like nimbyism a little bit. Like they, they're like, well, we want, we want, you know, we want economic growth and we want commerce, but just not next door to me. Um, so I think it has to do with just maybe having one or two bad experiences with vacation rental travelers and then using it to stereotype all travelers, which is unfortunate. Um, but it is, it is interesting that they voted against it. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the more important things that we can do as hosts is to, to always recommend our, our favorite places to, to our guests you know, our favorite coffee shop, our favorite restaurant, and, and, you know, make it personal by telling those people, hey, the, this is the name of the chef or this is the name of the person that works there. And to, to tell your guests, hey, we, you know, we go there, like mention, tell them that, that I sent you, right? Because yes. I, I understand that if you, if you have a local coffee shop or something, you know, people come and go and, and how are you going to know that people are staying in these Airbnbs? So if, if every host does that, then I think the, the local businesses will become more aware of, of, uh, of how much money they're actually making on, on these visitors. And, and that will, that could, could shift the, you know, the sort of the perception or, 
or the opinion of uh, of people about Airbnb and short-term rentals, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I, I think it's just, I think the vote was just short-sighted uh, because it, to that same effect, like people just are not connecting the dots. And um, both, it's like you telling the travelers to mention the owner's name. And it's also, you know, go to the coffee shop and talk to the manager and say, hey, I have a lot of people who are coming through my unit, like, you know, I just wanted to mention that to you. And, and if you want to offer some sort of, you know, not even a promotion, like where a discount, but just if you want to, if you want me to help you do better, like let's work together to get more traffic into your coffee shop. It's a win-win for everybody. Um, and actually at, at Hostfully with our product, we're, we're thinking about ways to do that more easily um, with local businesses and nothing specific on that. But we, we believe in shoring up local commerce as much as we can. And, and we think that that's in the best interest of hosts and travelers and businesses to do that. So um, hopefully we'll see more this year in technology that will help, help, uh, help hosts do that and uh, build those relationships. Yeah, and there's also a lot of new apps coming up, by the way. The the whole Airbnb and short-term rental niche, there's so many new apps coming out. Like I, get, I get emails almost, almost every day now like with uh, people that have startups and, and all sorts of uh, different apps and stuff. But we'll, we'll, talk, about the, we'll talk about that later but, um, over in, an, in a different podcast. But let's <laughs> dive into the news. I think one of the most interesting stories or at least one of the stories that really has been dominating the news in in the in the airbnb world is what happened in new york where these free guys they are being sued for i think over 20 million dollars mm -hmm. these are free guys that started uh, i think they're ex real estate brokers who started in 2012 they started with one apartment they were kind of like failed real estate brokers. Right. That's the yeah. funniest part about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were they were looking for for some uh, opportunity, and yeah. uh, in 2012, I think one of the guys uh, rented one apartment and and figured, hey, you know what? I'm gonna try Airbnb. And at the time, nobody was really talking about Airbnb much, and definitely not the the legislators and the and the local governments. Uh, I remember I started in 2012, kind of uh, in in a similar way. Or well, the difference was I I owned my apartment, but um, but you know I I also thought hey let's let's try this Airbnb thing. You know I just recently heard about it and didn't really have much expectations. But then this guy rented out one apartment and and was doing really well with it. And so over the last uh, seven years, they they these guys have expanded to. Uh, to over, I think they have over a hundred Airbnb host accounts. They yeah. they have eighteen corporations that were involved in essentially running a, an, an illegal hotel business um, using the re-renting model. So they they managed to find enough landlords that would allow them to either rent out an Airbnb or they didn't tell the landlords. I know in yeah. some cases they definitely didn't tell the the landlords, but they they were renting out over one hundred and thirty apartments. Uh, to over seventy six thousand guests through airbnb in the in the last uh, seven years, so you know obviously these guys made a fortune um, but you know other than the fact that obviously they're they 're doing something illegal, I have to say i'm uh, i 'm a little bit impressed because you know one of the things that I was considering you know when I realized in back in Amsterdam that I was actually doing something illegal. 
I, I kind of thought about my alternatives. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I could, mm-hmm. you know, I could sell the house and, and move somewhere else with my business or, or, you know, what if I, what if I have like multiple accounts and I change the address a little bit, That's right. like, like these guys did, because if you, you know, you can only use one address, right? You can create a second Airbnb account with somebody else's name, but if you put the same address, it's going to recognize it. So you have to, you have to change the address. And I remember thinking about it and, you know, I, I was kind of thinking it's it's too much of a hassle, you know, like having these yeah. multiple Airbnb accounts and, and changing the addresses and all that stuff. And other than the fact that, you know, I'd rather do something legal uh, than illegal. But these guys had over a hundred Airbnb accounts uh, with, uh, with all with like fake names and fake addresses and stuff. I mean, it's, it's a, it must be a hell of a lot of uh, administration to keep track of everything. Yeah. Well, I had the same reaction in that, like, I'm sure there were thousands of people who did it slightly illegally for a while. Like maybe they had a second location and then they were, and like you, they were like, Oh, this is just a hassle and it's not legal. It's not the right thing to do. But I can sort of see exactly how this happened where, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know these guys and I don't know exactly how they did it, but where like they probably figured out for the second and the third. And then once they got to the fourth and the fifth, they probably found, they probably were like, well, we're already doing this. And like, we're not in trouble yet and no one's caught us. So let's just keep going. And then they probably started to build tools that would aggregate and like put, you know, create a centralized calendar and like alert them when they needed to communicate with guests or like, I bet, I bet they actually built a fair amount of infrastructure to support it because managing 130 different rooms or apartments or whatever you have, it's, it's, it's hotel scale. It's like actually mid-sized hotel scale, not even large, not even small hotel scale. So like you, it's pretty impressive, but I also thought it was really funny. Um, (laughs) when they were interviewed, they were like, Oh yeah, we've done nothing wrong. (laughs) Which is like, they basically went around everything, right? They went around the New York laws. They went around Airbnb's own laws on the book platform. And I know that they have to say whatever they need to say to like, I, well, actually, I thought it was pretty crazy that they did an interview at all. Um, but I thought it was funny that they were like, oh, no, like, nothing's wrong here. Like, keep move on. <laughs> it's like, what? You, you have a, a huge business and um, you're obfuscating all these laws that that make you doing something very illegal. So anyway, I, I thought the story was, was kind of entertaining. Um, but I think, I think there will be like one or two more of these before everything shakes out. I, I bet there's, a, I bet they're not the only ones that figured it out. Oh um, no, they're we'll definitely see. not the only ones, but I, I, I would, I would think that at this skill, they're, they're probably one of the bigger ones I would think. Yes. Yeah. Um, but also the city also sued five buildings for not cracking down on the Airbnbs managed by, these guys and um, and his partners, despite violations issued by the city. So they, the, I guess the city already issued some, or they notified the building owners, or I don't know exactly how they did it, but um, but yeah, the, some of the buildings, they probably like, uh, you know, kind of allowed it. Um, well, and they were probably aware of it. So there's, there's a lot going on there, but, uh, oh, yeah. but in any like, case, I think they had like, like five to 10 units in each building kind of thing. And then the building just turned the other way. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, if you, if you have like, if you have five apartments or 10 apartments in a building, I mean, they're going to find out at some point, right? I yeah. mean, the door guy, the management, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty obvious. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would find it very unlikely that you'd be able to hide that from everyone especially mm-hmm. for like a, a prolonged time. So I don't know exactly how they 
how they manage that part. But, um, but in any case, uh, they're, they're suing them for 20 million, which is, I think, uh, the estimated amount that they earned. So, mm-hmm. I've, I mean, I think this guy, these guys are really in trouble because I'm yeah. sure they've spent a lot of that money already. Yes, yeah. Um, so it's, it sounds like he wants to reach a settlement with the, with the city. And then, uh, you know, hopefully for him or for, there's three of them, I think, but the, the guy was interviewed, Mr. Beckham, it was just one guy. Uh, and I hope, you know, that they might go bankrupt. I, I think, you know, if they, if well, they, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they, they knew, they knew what they were doing was wrong. So probably they were also squirreling something away too. <laughs> I don't think they were like, I'm sure that they had a, a an inkling that they might get caught. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I've never been a criminal, so I <laughs> don't even know what I don't even know how to start thinking about it. But I'm sure if they were smart enough to put all this together, they probably were smart enough to at least try to engineer some way to keep the money, even if they do get sued for it. So we'll see what happens. Well, I, I stole some candy when I was like eight years old or something, but I didn't get sued for it, so right. it was all good. <laughs> My sister was the one who stole the candy and then I watched her get in big trouble and I was like, oh, I'm never going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a bad idea. Yeah. Hi, my name is Margot and I'm the CEO of Hostfully. We are on a mission to make local travel a lot better and we're starting with digital guidebooks to make that happen. Using Hostfully digital guidebooks, which work great on any mobile device on desktop and in print. You can share important property information and local recommendations with your guests. You can also save time and create a great guest experience that each traveler will appreciate. Hostfully guidebooks are very fast to make, and we've included some advanced features where you can feature your custom logo, your colors, custom categories, and essentially your brand. Please take a chance to check us out at Hostfully.com. Talking about New York, there's also an article on CNN about the city a sup ponering uh, I can't pronounce that Subpoena, word. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to help me. Uh, Airbnb for, uh, for data. So they, so essentially yeah. what the city is saying. forces them to, to give up information. Well, subpoena means that, yeah, you just, you're like forcing someone to disclose something. Right. And, and Airbnb, yeah. I think they're, uh, they're referring to, they're saying that that would violate the fourth amendment mm-hmm. free from search and seizures. But anyway, uh, basically the city of New York is saying, Hey, uh, if you guys, because Airbnb is saying, Hey, we're, 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 uh, really promoting like hosts to, to, uh, stick to the rules and, you know, and, and not do anything illegal and stuff. But then the New York City is saying, well, why don't you just give us all the data and then we can actually check that no one's doing anything mm-hmm. wrong. But then Airbnb doesn't want to do that. And I think they've, uh, they've had similar requests in other places. And so far, I can't think of any location where the government has been uh, successful in, yeah. in actually forcing Airbnb to share data. I know in Amsterdam, they tried to do the same thing uh, because for the city, it's so much easier uh, actually, in Amsterdam, there's uh, something going on as well because the, you know, initially a couple of years ago they they restricted Airbnb hosting to 60 days, but then they wanted to change it to 30 days, and mm-hmm. so Airbnb went along with the with the change to 60, but now they don't want to go along with the change to to 30 days, and so now uh, the city of Amsterdam is hiring extra people to you know to find the the hosts that are renting out for more than 30 days. Um, which you know obviously costs a lot of money, so they're they've been pressuring Airbnb because if they can get the data, it'll just be so much easier for them. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because it really, um, it, like, I know that the I'm not too concerned that the New York 
city government is going to do anything with data that it collects from Airbnb, but it could. And, I, and there's a lot of concerns that people have around sharing private data, right? Like at what point, at what point does it become too invasive for, for companies to have the data and then share it with the, the government? That's, it's a really big question. There, there's a company out there that actually its job is to go in and look and see if, um, uh, different businesses are tax compliant and it's adding vacation rentals to that list. And so this is a little bit of a different angle. It's pulling data in from different sources and then it will report it back to local governments so that they can try to get different businesses to be tax compliant. So it's, it's a little bit of a different angle, but I'm sure New York is also exploring this and I'm sure that company is also trying to sell the data to them. Um, and it's, it's, it's not direct data from Airbnb, but it would be like somehow they would pull public data from, from booking sites, from different listing sites, and then map it to locations and then try to map it to, um, you know, registration information that the city has. And then they would flag accounts that were not compliant and then try to get them to be compliant. So there actually are companies out there that will do this that are third parties. And I think that that's probably the way that this will be resolved. It probably won't be that Airbnb will hand over the data because I, I tend to agree with Airbnb's argument on this one. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I, when you give your data to a company, you do not expect that that data is going to be used by the government. And I think that exactly. that's, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's enough, uh, there's enough information that the government already has from this. Let's see. Uh, there's a bunch of other stories that I wanted to touch on. For first of all, there's a story in uh, Skift. Skift often has like pretty interesting stories, especially about uh, Airbnb and short-term rentals. So Airbnb has uh, big plans for China and India. They project that at least 40% of its business will come from emerging markets by 2030, with China and uh, India really driving the the growth there. And, you know, just, just because, uh, just out of curiosity, I, I looked up, you know, how many people live in, in China and in uh, India? Uh, okay, I'm going to guess, like 1.5 billion? So I always thought China was by far the most populated country in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but India is catching up. Uh, okay. I'm looking at figures here. 2018, in, uh, China has approximately 1.35 billion. Oh, oh really? Has, alone? Okay. I yeah, was off. <laughs> but in, India has 1.28 now. Wow. So they're, they're not that much behind. And I think with China with the one-child policy, uh, I guess India is probably going to overtake them pretty soon. Uh, yeah. But together, they, they have uh, 36%. So more than a third of the total world, world population resides in China and in India and that's uh so that's that's pretty uh pretty interesting that's a lot and so it makes sense that uh, obviously Airbnb uh focuses on, on these two countries because there's just so much growth to be found there yes yeah go where the people are where mm-hmm. the money is right the, and there's there's something else that um I was thinking about as I was reading about this growth in these emerging markets which is I think that Airbnb is going to face a lot more competition when it enters these markets for two reasons. One is there's less legislation that's already been established. And so there's more green space for companies to come in and and do this in smaller scales. Like even if you had like a bookings platform, that's an aggregate bookings platform in like, for example, the Kerala region in India, which is like a popular vacation destination in India that may that company has an advantage of um, 
being able to cater better to local businesses, being able to find um, prospective customers more easily, um, and, and then also being able to navigate through any sort of local legislation there might be in that area. But when Airbnb comes in, they have to um, compete with those companies. And when Airbnb comes in, it will likely be that legislation becomes more strict because they have more uh, pressworthiness. And so like, you know, local governments can wake up and, and try to legislate more. So what they end up doing is actually coming into a, a tighter market for them. And so on the home front, they're having to fight legal battles in the United States, North America and Europe, which are regions where there's gonna be more legislation already established. And so they're having to fight headwinds there. And then also in emerging markets, they're gonna fight headwinds with, um, with competing with more intense competition and probably increasing legislation as they land there. So I think it's actually gonna be quite challenging for them to, to do that. Um, in the article that, that we were talking about, they said that 40% of their business is, is likely to be from these emerging markets in the next five years or so. I, I think that's still true, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be a harder road to, harder, harder hill to climb than it has been, um, I think, in, in the local North American market and, and European market. What do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's there's some big competitors out there too in in China and also in India. So I mean, I mean, uh, there's obviously there's local players that are seeing the opportunity as well. And I think, especially in China, you know, the big complaint that I think is is you know being negotiated now as part of the the trade negotiations with China between the U.S. and China is that that the local you know Chinese government makes it really hard for foreign companies to be successful in China and they That's right. you know, they support their own um, their own companies so so I think uh, I think that's definitely true um, so we'll see I mean uh, I you know Uber is a good example I think Uber gave up in China right they they joined ventures with another company or they partnered or I can't remember what happened yeah. exactly but I think they kind of threw in it was kind of throwing in the towel mm-hmm. so yes. yeah it yeah, could, and that, and- and those are like, when Uber went in, they went in from the top down, kind of more like you're talking about where you go against the top competitors. Like in China, it's like Tujia, which I think is related to C-Trip, which these are huge, huge companies. They have tons of money. But more importantly, they all, they all have relationships with the local governments, which is in China super duper important because the governments not only legislate on the, the you know, how people can stay and kind of like the, 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 the actual travel specifics but they also legislate on how money can be passed around a lot more than in the united states like they can only transfer money out of the country in so many so much volume um at a time and at a certain frequency and I, they even sometimes put holds on those those um policies so that like they could be like a ban like for six months they're just not going to let anyone transfer money out of the country or transfer money into the country so there are there are that's just an example but there are lot of ways that the Chinese government um, controls the economy, which is really different from, from anywhere else in the world. So it, it's going to be, it is interesting that Uber gave up and I'm curious how Airbnb is doing because they have to work really hard to um, become culturally fluent and they also have to work hard to build the relationships and they also have to work hard to build the business. So this three, three very different things. You know, and that uh, the the fact that everything is being so closely watched in China can also be an advantage. So I actually lost uh, my suitcase once. I left it in a taxi in Shanghai. I went to I was on the way to my to the airport, and I stopped by a restaurant to have uh, dinner with some friends. 
And halfway through the dinner, one of my friends asked me, like, hey, where, where's your suitcase, by the way? You're going to the airport, right? And I was like, uh, yeah, well, that's a good question. Where is my suitcase? <laughs> <laughs> and so I left it in the, in the taxi, I guess. I, I wasn't, uh-huh. It's an interesting thing because when you arrive at the airport, the first thing you do is like, you open the trunk and you get your bag. But when you yeah. arrive at a restaurant, you don't think about getting your bags out. And so I ended. I forgot, and, and so we went to a local police station, and uh, there was about five guys. Just immediately started uh, started watching all the different video recordings from from uh, from the place where I where I uh, got where I got the cab, um, and uh, and literally within like fifteen minutes, they they had footage of me getting into the cab. You could even read the, you know, the you could see the taxi company and everything. And so uh, it was very easy for them to track him down, and and so my bag was uh, recovered within uh, within a, not, a pretty short time. I had my bags back, and, and oh, of course, in, in time of course they didn't the, steal anything. Yeah, in time for the flight and everything too. No, right? not, not in time for oh. the flight. <laughs> oh, okay, but I mean, I was I was just I was just happy to get my luggage back. I was like, I'm in one of the biggest cities in the world. I left my bags in in some random taxi. I have no idea you know, what taxi company or whatsoever. I, yeah, I have very little information, almost zero information. And I just go to the police station in the hope that there's a small chance that they will be able to figure this out. And then literally like, you know, they, they figured it out pretty quickly and I got everything back. Uh, so anyway, so there's some, there was, there was some advantages of having this big brother watching you. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of creepy, but kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's a bunch of other things that uh, we could discuss, but uh, you know, we're running out of time. So let's, uh, let's just do another one uh, and another news episode in a couple of weeks or so. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's, let's do that. There's a lot to talk about in this industry. So many changes yeah. happening. Exactly. Um, and yeah, yeah, we'd love to get on and do it again. Absolutely. And uh, you sound so clear, by the way. What's, what's going on there? <laughs> oh, I, I got a new microphone. <laughs> I, uh, actually, the microphones these days, if you're at all thinking about doing any like uh, audio, which is including meetings or podcasts or whatever, interviews, I highly recommend just investing $50 in a microphone because like you're saying, the audio is, is so much more superior than what you would get with your iPhone headphones, which is what I was getting by with for a long time. So I invested in a blue microphone i think it's called blue yeti and it came in two days from amazon and i'm loving it so far thank you <laughs> awesome and thank you for getting the mic it's, it's nice it sounds a lot better um, good good so, great all right well margo thanks for joining and we'll be talking soon about more news events in the world of airbnb and to the listeners of course thanks for listening and we'll see you next time Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.